0: the nail in the coffin
1: welcome to the nail episode 42 we are recording on thursday night Trev, uh 42 seems appropriate because we're going to be talking about the Browns starting the season, and I think there is a real chance we see them give up 42 points per game this year.
2: That would uh, that'd be an NFL record, I think, but it's not out of the realm of possibility if you've, uh, if you've watched this team at all.
1: I've watched as little as I possibly could during the preseason. I, I tried to force myself to get through a little bit just to get familiar with some of the new names and faces, and by God, there's a lot of them, so... Uh, now the games count. We got uh, Philadelphia coming up on Sunday, one o'clock, CBS. I think we actually get a decent announcing crew, um, probably for the only time this year. So that's exciting. Yeah, I saw.
2: I've, uh, I saw online today. I think the Browns are going to be the Columbus game. I obviously living in Columbus for the last several years. Um, typically around the middle of the season. Uh, at least over the last couple of years, they've switched to Cincinnati games pretty exclusively when they butt up against each other. Sure. Um, so <laughs> I think they're getting the Browns games out of the way early until they're uh, officially eliminated around week four.
1: Oh, just uh, throwing the Browns fans in town a bone. Is that? Uh,
2: yeah. Let them get it while they can, while they actually care still.
1: It's uh, it's going to be bleak. I'm not going to lie. I've been kind of wrecking my brain on this one, knowing that we kind of needed to, really dive head first into the Browns here with the, with the season starting. I've been kind of racking my brain on this one for a couple of weeks, and I just really wasn't sure, like, what angle that we really wanted to take with this. And, and, I mean, I just, you know, years past, I mean, it's gotten ugly early, and some years they're, you know, they've been pretty competitive for the first half of the year, and they've kept it interesting. I mean, you get like a – outlier season like 2007 where they won 10 games and you know came right down to the last uh, day of the regular season where they were still in the mix for the playoffs but I I mean is this really like the the lowest bar that uh, is being set before a season even starts really in like the entire history this is year 18 since they've um, come back through the, uh, the expansion there in 99 and in that period I can't ever remember expectations being lower.
2: No, and I'm not sure. Truthfully, I'm not sure why that is because I don't feel like this is the worst team we've seen. Um, so it, it's sort of strange that that it, the expectations are this low. It feels like it could be defensively one of those one of the worst teams we've ever seen. And but they've had some pretty bad defenses. Um, and over the last several years, they've been. Uh, pretty incompetent on both sides of the ball. So uh, it, it feels like they've got some guys on offense to be excited about. And who knows if the offense turns out to be any good or not. But, I mean, they, they brought in RG3, who, like him or not, he's probably one of the better, I don't know, top three or four quarterbacks they've had since they came back. Um, they drafted a rookie, uh, rookie wide receiver who will be fun to watch um, Josh Gordon should come back. Duke Johnson should be decent. Like a lot of that thing should indicate that they could be fun to watch. Now, obviously when the season starts, that could all go out the window and it turns out that it just doesn't work, but we've seen Browns fans get a lot more excited for a lot less. I feel like.
1: I just feel like as a fan base, maybe more people are finally starting to smarten up and not be uh, quite as delusional as we might've been in past years and, and maybe people are a little bit more willing to see the writing on the wall, especially when you start seeing the the number of veterans getting swept out and just how many rookies and new faces are on this team and, and just the turnover. Um I, I don't know. I th- I think that's that's really part of it. And I, I think there's a little dose of reality setting in there. You know, I mean the one thing I will say in terms of the offense, I'm I'm with you and I think I'm pretty excited to see what R G three can do. He's a guy that before he came into the league, like when he was in the draft, I really wanted the Browns to go get him that year. And um, among that, among other reasons, I um, still hold a grudge against Holmgren for sitting on his ass with, uh, with his cronies (laughs) there.
2: See, I'm actually the exact opposite. I'm more excited to see him now than uh, I wanted to see him as a Brown then. I didn't have any faith in him coming out of college. Um, Really? Yeah, not at all. And he proved me wrong as a rookie, and he's—I mean—he's obviously regressed a lot since then. So much so that he lost a starting job to to Kirk Cousins. But I don't know. I feel like maybe he's got a little little more, and if with the right system and the right coach and a couple tools in place, a couple uh, give him a couple weapons, he could be—you know—get back to probably not what we saw as a rookie, but you know, back to respectability as a decent starter.
1: I, I do feel like, I, I mean, as, as excited as I was for him that that rookie year, and and you know, as fun as I thought he was to watch before the injuries really started to pile up there, um, I do feel like he's got something to prove this year. And and like you said, if if he's got some weapons around him, what the one real big question mark for me is just what kind of an offensive line is he going to have in front of him? I mean, you've got Joe Thomas, and uh. Um, I guess uh, I'm sorry
2: Batonio oh, Batonio
1: right I was blanking there for a second but uh, you know from Cam Irving and, and Greco and, and Pastor on the, the right side I don't know I mean that, that that could be dicey and I think there was a lot of people that a lot of players that were lost from last year that fans were kind of shrugging their shoulders and saying no big deal but losing Mitchell Schwartz from the right side of the line was the like the one guy that I felt like a lot of people were like, what are you doing? This is a guy who's still pretty young and he was improving and certainly seemed like he was better in the last year or two that he was here. So
2: yeah, Mitchell Schwartz, I think that's probably the, the biggest loss. I mean, Alex Mack was a pro bowl center, I guess. So switching from him to Cam Irving could be terrible, but.
1: And terrifying.
2: um, Yeah. Could be, could be a huge downgrade. But I think Mitchell Schwartz will probably be the one that's missed the most of those four guys that they lost in free, the four main guys they lost in free agency.
1: Right. So Brian Billick, the old Ravens coach, who's now working in, uh, in the media, went and got himself some cheap headlines this week saying that the Browns are going to go 0-16. And of course, this sets off uh, all hell breaking loose on the local sports talk radio. And I think he actually did an interview today. I haven't listened to it yet, but he was on, I think, with Bull and Fox on ninety two three, kind of explaining himself. Do you think they're going 0-16 this year?
2: Um, No. It's it's hard to win a lot of games in the NFL, but it's really fucking hard to lose all of them. You, It has to be a conscious effort. Um, the, honestly, the only way that you're going to – truthfully, I think the only way you'll lose all 16 – It's got to be either a fluke, um, or the team has to be, the players have to be trying to lose. Um, I mean, we've had, how many times has it happened? Twice?
1: I think so. I know the Lions did it in like 08, and I think Tampa in like the seventies, right?
2: Right. So it's incredibly rare, and there's been a lot of terrible teams over the years, um, I don't know. I I, got to think they'll probably win one or two because there's a couple other teams in the league that are also really bad. Um, And the Browns could, you know, it could be one of those days where they catch fire. We saw them, we've seen them beat teams that they shouldn't beat every year. They beat at least one or two that they shouldn't beat. So, um, so no, I don't think they're going to go winless. I agree with Billick when he says, look at that. If you look at the schedule, yeah, they should be the underdog in every game, but there's a reason Vegas makes money.
1: I agree with that. I, I, I do think 0-16 is a bit extreme. I mean, I guess you can't get more extreme than that. But I'll say this. It would shock me less if they went 1-15 in than it would if they beat their over-under win total that's in Vegas right now.
2: What is? What are they at right now? Is it four and a half? Four and a
1: half. The and Vegas a half? has got their 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 season win total line at four and a half, and I think it would be more likely to see them win one game in five. I I think four and a half wins for them is obscenely high, and I I have no idea how they can come up to that number. Um, I, I just I'm not seeing it at all. It's
2: pretty. I mean, I follow gambling. I don't I don't bet a ton, but I follow the lines a lot. Um, I I have a lot of friends that uh that make a wager here and there. <laughs> I've followed the futures market over the last I don't know eight to ten years. I look at it every year, and four and a half, honestly, you'd be hard pressed to find many where they have put anyone lower than that. There's a couple here and there probably over the years, but that's usually four is usually like the benchmark for a terrible team. They just start there, and So so while I can say yes, it does seem like it's going to be hard for them to get to four and a half. That's just sort of where Vegas always starts. Um, So the line itself doesn't really surprise me a lot. If I were a betting man, yes, I'd put all my credits on the downside. (laughs) But the line itself doesn't really surprise me.
1: So speaking of the the sports talk radio, the, the other very bizarre conversation that seemed to drag out over multiple days this week. Every time that I happen to turn on um, either ninety-two or eight fifty or whatever, was are are the Browns tanking this year? And it became this very philosophical debate over like how do you even define tanking um, in That's your mind? The are the is. Browns tanking this season?
2: Well, without getting into the philosophical debate between it, well, I guess. It's hard to really answer that without getting into the philosophical. Go ahead. Get
1: philosophical on us.
2: There's two ways of looking at it. Are the players on the field, when I think tanking, personally when I think tanking, I think are the guys on the field trying their hardest to win and are the coaches coaching their hardest to win? In that respect, I don't expect to see the Browns tanking. However, if you look at tanking as are these guys – trying to uh, are, are are the the front office people the personnel folks are they trying to put are they trying to do everything in their power to put the best product on the field to win i think it's hard to argue that i don't think you could make a reasonable statement that they're doing that so um so yes and no <laughs> without without giving a definitive answer um i think there's arguments on both sides
1: You basically just made my entire case for me so we can move right (laughs) along. But no, I I will say I I feel like in a lot of respects, the the front office for this year alone anyway, in in trying to build a better big picture and trying to put themselves in a better position for down the road and to build something that's going to be sustainable over the course of multiple years, I, I think they knew they had to rip the band-aid off this year and, and make it ugly this year. So in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like Hugh Jackson's being given a, a butter knife and being sent into a gunfight. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's tough because it's, it, it's this year, it, what this year for the Browns and what their roster looks like right now. What it really reminds me of is that first year the Cavs had after LeBron left in 2010 that 2010, 2011 Cavs roster. Cause like everybody always remembers like, Oh, LeBron left. And then all these guys were left by, they actually lost like six guys off that roster and a, a lot of veterans. And like uh big Z. And then I think that, you know, Jameson was gone and Mo Williams was traded during the season. Um, you know, again, to bring in another draft pick and that turned into Kyrie Irving. But, um, you know it, it feels like the browns are in a, a pretty similar position this year with just who they've gotten rid of and who they've kept and who they're going to you know put their put their chips on
2: i'll say this i think you know for the, however many regimes i can't even i don't even know how many the browns have been through but um they've had all these regimes over the years and every time one comes in we always say you know it's rebuilding give them time blah 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 and then Two years later, that those guys are out. We're starting anew. We've we've welcomed those rebuilds in the past with open arms, um, because it was necessary, and everyone realizes the position the team was in. The front office is doing this. they're they're. they're this seems like the first time there's a true rebuild. They're not holding on to veteran free agents who are here to get a paycheck. Um, like they have in the past, just to, you know, because the guys are are better than the options they have. They're like you said, they're putting themselves in the best position possible with the guys they have for building something long term. It would be foolish for them to go and spend a bunch of money to get free agents that are going to come in and add two wins, maybe, you know, if that. I don't know if that would even be the case, but. It, it, f- it's, it's sort of tough to look at. It's, it's just a rough part. No one enjoys the rebuild. Everyone likes when the house is done, but no one likes the construction.
1: Very true. This is a good point um, for me to, to bring this up. This is something I wanted to make sure to get in. Uh, you saw this today on Facebook around lunchtime. I put up a question online uh, just asking, you know, what is there to look forward to for this season? Um, just really looking for any kind of positives and got a few responses. And, and the one of them, since we're talking about playing the younger guys, uh, I, our, our mutual friend here, Chris Bell, was um, he said that was the one thing he was really looking forward to was, you know, again, not relying on veterans here collecting a paycheck. And, you know, I think like the, the Mangini regime was the one that in particular I seem to remember um, being the most notorious for that and, and just how much dead weight had to be cleared off the roster after, after he was sent packing. But, um, where I'm going with this is there was a really interesting story that was published earlier this week on the ringer. It was written by Clevin or uh, Kevin Clark. And it was talking about how the league overall is getting younger and, and just how the quality of play across the league is, is going down as a result. Um, just because you've got more players in the league who are, are coming out of college a year earlier because um, they want to get that paycheck faster because, you know, your your earning potential could get cut out from under you at any time. And when you got players that are coming out younger, you know, they're less polished. And um, you're looking now, like last year, the average age of an NFL player was 26.6 years old. That was almost a full year younger than where the league was at a decade earlier. Um,
2: and that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a pretty significant it really is when you when, you're, when you have that large of a sample size and you know the game hasn't the game I mean the game style has changed, but the way it's played hasn't. so I mean that's a pretty significant shift.
1: Exactly. So uh, the other part of this is that the new CBA went into effect in 2011 and the big part of that that applies to this situation is that rookie contracts, are now placed on a very tight scale. So you know the the Sam Bradford contract from hell. He was like the last top quarterback. Was
2: it him or Stafford?
1: Um, it was it was Sam Bradford. Was it Bradford? Yeah, because uh, Stafford was like a couple team, years before him.
2: Tangent. Somehow that guy has managed to not. I understand the team that took a first pick on him when he was drafted, but teams since then have given up a second and another first for him after watching him play. Yes, Bradford. Yeah. I, How does I, he keep getting teams to give up first-round picks for him?
1: He's bad, isn't he? <laughs>
2: he's – he's on on his best day, he's mediocre. He's I ne- feel like
1: his best year, and I don't have any numbers to support this because I wasn't planning on going on a Sam Bradford sidetrack here, but I feel like his best year was his rookie year.
2: Um, It could be. Because that, um, that
1: year, I remember he had them at, like, seven and eight going into the last week of the year and playing a game on Sunday night football for a chance to go to the playoffs. And they ended up losing to the Seahawks. And that was the year that Seattle got into the playoffs with a losing record and ended up beating the saints. But I mean, he was, it looked like, okay, I mean, it was a bad team that he had inherited and was drafted onto and took him to near 500 in his first year. And things were looking up. And then, you know, the injuries and everything else since then, man, whoo, R- yeah. rough situation. But anyway, what with, with what's happening is you've got a lot of rookies in the league or you've got a lot of guys now on these rookie contracts that are just so much cheaper than what players are cashing in on in their second and third contracts. So there's a huge premium placed on guys that can play well on on a rookie contract. And it's actually pushing a lot of the older guys out because what a lot of these GMs are looking at is like, if I can get 80% of the production at, you know, 30% of the cost, it's way more effective. And then you can pick and choose your spots where you're going to reward that, that, you know, veteran player with a big contract. So, um, with there being such a big premium put on these guys on their rookie contracts since 2011, that kind of segues into a story that cleveland.com put up today that was looking at first round picks of the NFL from 2011 through 2014. And, um, the Browns have zero first round picks from that window on their roster now. So it just, it's, it's frightening. And I think it really speaks to just how important it's going to be to, to see something from a guy like a Corey Coleman this year. And when you get those two first round picks next spring hitting on those guys and and really just some of those other, uh, you know, high level picks that they have even outside of the first round.
2: Yeah, I, I it's, I agree with you on the, the new CBA. That's been a huge impact, I think. And I'm, I'm sort of of the mindset that it's probably better for the league, but there's a little part of me that says, if you're a first round draft pick and your market value, which you can't really argue if a team is paying someone that much, that that's what they're worth. It's hard for me to also say, you know, this team would be willing to pay him that, but this won't, this CBA that was negotiated by, um, a group of players that this guy wasn't even a part of. <laughs> right. W- will say that, you know, he's not allowed to make that much money. Um, so I guess there's, there's a part of me that says that's not necessarily fair, but for, for the sake of the league, it definitely, it, I mean, it's hard to argue that it's been better for teams, which is probably why they enjoy it as well.
1: Here, here's the money line, just to really hammer home the point on the Browns, is that the other 31 franchises in the NFL have 94 players remaining on their roster from those four years of first rounds. 82 of those players are starters, and many of them are stars. And again, the Browns have zero.
2: What time period are you talking about?
1: 2011 to 2014.
2: Okay. So of 120, 130-ish players that have been taken in the first round, 80-something of them are still?
1: 82 of them are starters.
2: 82 of them are starters. 94 of them
1: are still on rosters.
2: On the same team or on a roster?
1: Remaining on the rosters that drafted them.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: So that um, would take like a Justin Gilbert out. So like, yeah, he's on a roster in Pittsburgh, but
2: right, not, yeah, all, not the roster here. I think here. all but Johnny are are on a roster somewhere, right?
1: Mm, not sure about that. That I, I gotta imagine. No, that that I, I would say probably not.
2: I can't think of any of those guys that didn't just get that didn't catch on somewhere. But anyways, it, the the point is, is still valid there. I'd be curious to see if there's any other teams that are close you know, that are, that only have maybe one guy, but, um, who knows? I mean, those guys, it's frustrating because you wonder, I mean, a couple of those guys like, uh, Gilbert, we don't have any confidence that he's going to be any damn good in Pittsburgh either. Right.
1: Oh, I think he's going to be horrible. And I, and I said, when the Browns, what did they get a fifth rounder for him?
2: Sixth, I think.
1: Still, I, I think they fleeced Pittsburgh on that trade.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you were able to get anything of value, anything for him at all, even a sixth round pick. Um, yeah, you absolutely you, you got to steal because you were just going to release him anyways. I'm not convinced he was going to make the roster. So,
1: no, that's why I sent you the picture of Henry Hill from Goodfellas laughing his ass off when I saw that trade, because I, I I was I was doing the exact same thing. I, I was amazed and thought it was hilarious that we were able to actually get something from him. Sad that it came to that, but hey, I mean, it's better than nothing at this point, considering what we know about
2: him. Oh, for sure. Oh, follow-up just popped in my head. Um, First-round pick that's not on a roster. Uh, The one and only Trent Richardson, obviously. Mm. So that's at least two of those guys that aren't on rosters. But um, yeah, so, I mean, it's no secret that the Browns haven't drafted well. I mean that that number it should surprise the hell out of me, but it really doesn't.
1: Yeah, it's just it it just really is especially frightening when you look at this is the direction that the league's going, and it just really magnifies the problem. I I, I didn't realize. I, I think the surprise for me was not necessarily that the Browns have been that bad at drafting. I think we've been down that road a hundred times. For me, what was more shocking was just what a premium there is on guys in their first three or four years in the league being good and how important it really is to your roster. I mean, you think about, I mean,
2: Trent had a decent rookie year.
1: Yeah. he he wasn't like he he had some promise.
2: Um, I think he was close to a thousand yards, had a few touchdowns. Like he looked like, yeah, okay. This guy's, he's not, I mean, I was always sort of of the mindset that you don't take running backs that early in the first round, but it it looked like he'd be a good, solid contributor. And then the, the wheels just completely fell off. Um, but yeah, I mean, you—I don't know. There's not really much more to put on it, honestly. It's—it's it's not something that surprises anyone that's watched the Browns over the last few years. Yeah. So, I—I I, this is a very doom and gloom one, isn't it?
1: It really is. So, <laughs> you know, I, I let, let's let's try to cheer people up here a little bit. Um, one of the other things that people were looking forward to, uh, kind of related, um, our old friend from the news, herald, Scott Kendrick, who's now. Uh, down in Jacksonville, and then uh, my old friend from high school, Chris Sheehan. They both talked about looking at prospects in in college, coming up from college, and Kendrick in particular. He had he had talked about seeing that Deshaun Watson's going to be an NFL caliber passer, and yeah, you know, that I think you and I are of the same mindset. We both like college football more than the NFL, and and we've made no secret about that. But for me, it's like really an added bonus. When your NFL team is in the mix for getting one of these top QB prospects, and the best guys at that position in college are playing for the best teams that year, like last year, who were the the best prospects that you know ended up coming out in the draft? That was
2: Zeke uh, Bosa. Uh, yeah, it was, well, it was Zeke, like, I mean Jer- Zeke it, developed into one, but it was Bosa. It was well. It was well no, I'm talking
1: like quarterbacks.
2: Oh, uh. so, so like
1: it was Jared Goff who played for Cal and Carson Wentz who was North Dakota State and Paxton Lynch from Memphis and those teams all all, all sucked or I mean in, in North Dakota State's uh, situation weren't relevant to the playoff because they were on a lower level. Um, whereas like this year Deshaun Watson over at Clemson, I mean they're in the mix for the national title. They can certainly win the ACC. It's probably going to be either them or Florida State coming out of the ACC. So it's just I, I like when the, the top guys, I mean, it, you think back to a year like uh, Cam Newton coming out of Auburn when he won the national title or uh, or even uh, famous Jameis down there going from Florida State to Tampa Bay. Um, and, you know, <laughs> for better or worse, Sam Bradford from Oklahoma, his, his team was pretty good uh, his last year at college before he won. But if you uh,
2: think back to um, talking quarterbacks, if you think back to what. Uh, what everyone was saying at the beginning of last season, which is basically where we are now, um, this time a year ago, the quarterbacks that everyone was saying were going to go first round were Connor Cook, uh, Hackenberg, Cardale. It wasn't the guys that ended up going first round.
1: That's a good point. I never personally bought into Hackenberg, and I, I thought... No,
2: I never have. i watched too much Penn State to, to buy into him. Yeah, that's... I, I, He's I, one of the most confusing, like, mind-blowing... Uh, prospects at every level I've ever seen. Like how he continues to get people to o- to overrate him, I just don't get it. Because every time I watch him, I swear I end up telling the guy next to me, whoever I'm watching with, this guy can't play quarterback. And that hasn't changed. Yet he's somehow I don't know, what did he go second or third round?
1: Ridiculously high, whatever it was Higher it, was the than Jets that drafted him, right? There
2: you go. Huh? It was the
1: the Jets that drafted him, right?
2: Uh yeah, I believe so. I that believe it was second right. round, too, and I'm not totally positive, but I think he was a second-round pick, which is way too high for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's one of those things. Like, right now, it's Deshaun Watson. Um, and the other name I see thrown around a lot, uh, the kid Chad Kelly from Ole Miss is mentioned a lot, and Brad Kaya from Miami. Um, who knows if those are the, the the guys that we're looking at in, in three months or not, you know, because sure. I don't think – I mean, when it was Andrew Luck, we knew it was going to be Andrew Luck. I don't think Deshaun Watson's Andrew Luck.
1: It'd be nice if he was, wouldn't it?
2: That'd be fine Well, only if the Browns get the first pick.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention Andrew Luck because in a lot of ways, I almost feel like the Colts are starting to be the Browns only with a competent quarterback. Like, if that's, you looked at <laughs> that's,
2: that's a funny analogy. I could see that.
1: I mean, think about it. Like, what really on the rest of their roster – I mean, you just look at the way they've drafted you know, I it
2: a Decent QB, but it's it's sort of like Peyton Manning situation. They always had. yeah, I,
1: their, I,
2: their top two receivers are always going to be decent receivers because of the guy throwing them the ball.
1: Right. I, I just I look at the roster and I'm like that very well could be the Browns if you had a, a competent quarterback you so,
2: quarterbacks. Yeah, they wouldn't be far from the Browns.
1: Right. So I don't know. I mean, I guess that's one thing that you could look forward to if you're the Browns is. You know, maybe uh, if you if you really do land that guy in the draft next year, or if RG three turns into that this year, then you know who knows. Maybe they become more watchable this year after all. What? Yeah. So I, I've been kind of sharing what what some of the other um, people on Facebook had responded with. What are you looking forward to this year?
2: I, I think I'm I'm probably with uh, Chris. I'm excited to see. No, I'm, I'm not going to say excited because. That's, that's probably a little extreme. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the young guys develop, seeing what we have in them. Um, uh, Nassib, Carl Nassib, I think, is going to be a fun player to watch. I don't know if he's going to put up huge sack numbers, um, but he's a guy that's, that's that you're going to, I think, over the next four months, he's a guy that you'll see a lot of development from, you'll see improvement from, and you'll be able to say, yeah, that's a guy that has a spot on this team. Um, so that's really what I'm hoping for is to see that I'm selfishly excited to see if Terrell Pryor turns into a good NFL wide receiver. He sort of looked like he has the potential during the preseason, but we have to preface everything with that's the preseason. Um, so it'll be, that's, I mean, that's it. Just seeing what you have in guys. And I think every week you have to go into a Browns game, not really getting hung up on the wins and losses but sort of celebrating the like individual performances and saying, Hey, maybe we have something from that guy and hoping that whoever it is that you're talking about builds on it each week.
1: That's fair. I, uh, I I think the thing I'm going to be looking for and what I'm really hoping to see this year is just a team that gets back to just being a normal football team and, can concentrate on on the field issues and player development and and not um, our quarterback uh, showing up to practice in the middle of the week possibly drunk or our our hard sleeping cornerback needing a wake-up call at his apartment um
2: see you asked what i was looking forward to seeing not what i was looking forward to not seeing
1: right that's
2: all that stuff falls in that category and i I sort of i I think I've sort of flushed the Johnny era out of my mind at this point that it's over. I don't want to go back and rehash it
1: i no, I don't either, but that's kind of what i what I'm looking forward to is just kind of getting back to being a football team and, and doing football things and concentrating on player development and seeing a team that where everybody on the sideline seems like they're engaged and and they're up off the bench and they're you know, getting fired up when their teammates are making a play and you know, the offense isn't looking at the sideline confused as to what play is coming in and not having to burn timeouts and being able to manage the clock correctly and being a well-coached team. And I think Hugh Jackson can do that. And that's why I was really excited to see him come in. And I mean, ultimately, players have to make plays. But I, I do think that in and of itself, if the Browns just do those sorts of things, I, I think that would be progress
2: sure i think uh, there's something to be said for that i think this is um they may not they may not play well and they may not win a lot of games and on the field they might not look great but it it feels like a professional franchise for once and it seems like it's been a while since it's really felt that way it's always kind of been a circus for the last few years um which is various stuff going on even before johnny there was you know drama going in and it seems like even the guys that that we've that you probably would have expected there to be drama around have been fairly quiet prior and Josh Gordon um RG3 has had a little bit going on but he's done I think he's done a good job of not you know sort of no commenting all that stuff away to where it's not really a big topic of discussion so um it's nice to see that I guess just it seems like guys are showing up to work and not really we're not really hearing anything about that other shit that we always heard about
1: yeah it's um it's refreshing (laughs) and and you know i think like we kind of touched on in past weeks when the browns have come up in conversation all these things seem like they're okay now but the real test is going to come like what happens if this team doesn't play well this weekend against philadelphia and i do think if the browns are going to win a game or two or three this year this is one that feels more winnable than most because i think philadelphia is going to be terrible too especially with the lack of prep that carson wentz had in the preseason and now they're going to roll him out there this week uh to start week one um but like when the adversity starts to build and and what what's going to look what what is it going to look like in that locker room then and i think that's going to be the real challenge for them and and it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to that hillip go ahead
2: I was just going to say, I agree. I think it's, it's, it looks great now and you just have to hope that Hugh has provided that sort of stability to, you know, eight, 10, 12 weeks from now when they're one in 10 or two and 11 or whatever the hell they're going to be that uh, guys are still bought in and are still showing up ready to work every day.
1: So let me ask you this outside of the Browns, what else in the NFL are you interested in this year? And any particular players or teams that uh, have your attention?
2: Well, one I'm playing right now, I'll be interested to see um, how Denver looks with Simeon now. Um, selfishly, I'm excited to see if Zeke Elliott has as big a season as I expect him to. Um, he, With that offensive line in Dallas and, and just the way that I've seen him not personally seen him, but um, the way that he played at Ohio State and the way that it seems like he prepared at Ohio State and the way that he's um, performed so far, I think he could be prime for a huge season. Um, And, I mean, selfishly, I I liked him a lot at Ohio State, so I still have a bit of a connection. I wish he wasn't playing for Dallas, but um, that's a hell of a position for a uh, rookie running back to fall into, so it's also kind of exciting for him.
1: I have to tell you, I am a little bit of a Closet Cowboys fan. Really? Yeah, just, you know, I, I need, like, that second team, and they're just one of those teams. And that's, that's like, your
2: team, huh? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I don't know why. It's just one of those teams that they've always got interesting things going on, and and, you know, it's... I don't like okay. all that off the field circus when it's my team, but like when I could keep it at an arm's length that it makes something interesting to watch when they're on at four o'clock or when i like the seven Sunday night games they get a year or whatever. I um,
2: never would have pegged you for that. No, nah, I don't know. They're, I, they're I a like guilty pleasure like for me getting into like the Lakers. What's that? I feel like that would be like you getting into the Lakers as your secondary team.
1: That would be a very fair analogy. Although I will tell you, I I do not like the Lakers at all. So
2: I know that's why it confuses me.
1: <laughs> I don't have any other teams like that in any other sport that I I I'm not going to say I'm sitting here like buying Cowboys gear and I'm like building my day around it. But if they're on and and that's the game that's on, then I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll I'd like to see a, a good Dallas team is good for the league. I feel like, and I mean Jerry Jones is kind of a scumbag, but I mean
2: kind <laughs> kind of. <laughs>
1: You know, <laughs> I mean, it's subtle. I, I don't know. Uh, and I, so at least for that reason, I, you know, I'm with you and kind of wanting to see Zeke do well. And I will say this I think he could be the best running back in the NFL to come into the league since, um, since Adrian Peterson.
2: I think that, I think that's very possible. Um, just, I think just in sort of the way that we've seen the running back position shift a little bit since then, but, um, he said this week he he i think it kind of got blown out is almost like he was saying that he would but he basically said and it's sort of a silly statement to say cuz what running back wouldn't like to but he said he'd like to break the single season record for a rookie and i will say as long as i don't know as long as i've been following i don't know at least the last 10 12 15ish years i feel like he may have been in the best position to do it the the record is like eighteen hundred yards or something insane though, so it's it's highly unlikely that he does it. But if he has, I mean, if he starts off strong, you know, comes out of the gate, it could be one of those things where you are following it all year to see how close he gets.
1: It'd be really interesting to see how his workload is affected and just the way the teams defend Dallas now with Dak Prescott as their quarterback instead of Tony Romo, at least for the first half of the year. Which, by the way, the Browns play the Cowboys here, I believe, in week eight. And it's very possible that that could be right in the range when Romo might be ready to start playing again.
2: That'll be interesting to see because, I don't know, I don't have a ton of confidence in Dak Prescott coming out and, like, lighting the world on fire. I feel like when, you know, when Romo went down, they started to, like, pump it up like he was going to come in, like, ready to, you know. Like a bat out of hell, and I just I don't see that coming. I don't have a
1: lot of confidence in him either. And I know they've still got their their weapons at some of the skill positions, but I mean, if you're if you're defending Dallas and you're looking at that offense and and what they've got right now, am am I going to take my chances getting beat by Zeke, or am I going to take my chances getting beat by Dak Prescott?
2: Yeah, you're going to load the box and make Dak throw it around. So right, it'll be it'll be one of those immovable object and unstoppable force things because that Dallas offensive line is incredible. So, you know, which wins out more often than not, it'll be interesting to see. I'd I'd have to look at their schedule and sort of see what, what, what it looks like. And if there's any, like what the formidable defenses they go against are, but um, I, either way, I expect a pretty good season out of them.
1: You know, it it would be interesting if Tony Romo ends up making his return in in the week that, dallas visits the browns because don't forget week five the patriots are here and that's going to be tom brady's first game back as well so browns are kind of finding themselves at the the, the center of the storm here quite a bit this year i think
2: yeah and uh, it's it's just more it's interesting because they don't really ever get uh they don't get much attention during the season and rightfully so they don't deserve much um but they don't really get many like you know national games or primetime games or anything like that where there's a lot of extra eyes on them it's i assume that it's mostly fans of the browns and whoever they're playing most weeks um they're not the game that you're flipping to uh if you're not a fan of either team so i can't tell you how
1: i can't tell you how many times i've watched browns games and then watched the football night in america highlights on sunday nights and feel like the Browns are in a completely different league. Like, they're not part of the <laughs> like, same like, league that I'm I watching. Like, why can't watch
2: football that looks like that?
1: It's, it's mind-boggling.
2: Yep, exactly. So, I mean, so they will have some of those games where, you know, the attention's on them. Well, I guess the attention's not on them, but the attention's on their game.
1: They, uh, they're they going to be like the jobber on uh, WWF Saturday Morning Superstars back in that the 80s. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Favorite jobber? I'm going with Doink the Clown.
1: Oh, he's not a jobber. Come on. He's at WrestleMania a few times. That's that's not right.
2: He's a, come on. No,
1: you want a jobber. You need a guy like Iron Mike Sharp or a Barry Horowitz or a a Barry O. Um,
2: One of my good friends. I only say Doink because one of my good friends, he listens to the podcast occasionally. His favorite wrestler, not Jobber, just favorite wrestler of all time is Doink the Clown.
1: My goodness.
2: (laughs) i hope you're listening beans
1: oh i i hope so too that's that that's that, that might be a first i can't say i've ever heard anybody call uh the, the clown one. their favorite wrestler
2: yeah you're not the only one.
1: Oh, you know speaking of wrestlers we got um cm punk among the uh the ufc guys uh, coming into town yeah this weekend um a little bummed. I, I was kind of hoping to, to go down there for that. Now I don't even think uh, – just because we got other plans going on. But uh, I don't think we're going to be able to catch the card on Saturday night. But uh, we've got A uh, defending the UFC heavyweight title in the main event. The uh, He's the guy that really started the summer at Cleveland. So uh, that should be a fun time.
2: Yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, I don't follow UFC at all. I, I If I'm at a bar and it's on, I might watch it. I know I've probably mentioned that before. But um – Regardless of what I think of the sport, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, it's it's fairly popular. The guy is the uh, – and the guy that's a world heavyweight champion is, uh, by all accounts, just a normal, like, down-home guy from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, he's a, I think he's a firefighter and just seems like, you know, like an everyman who just is uh, really good at beating the shit out of people. So <laughs> So that's kind of cool.
1: I'm uh... – I, I'm slightly worried for him a little bit this weekend, just because it feels like he's been everywhere this summer on the uh, the banquet tour, so to speak. Yeah, I, I don't think he's missed a parade or or a, an autograph signing or a, a, a media appearance or any other type of uh, function here in in Cleveland. Not to mention, like I think he did uh, Sports Center and everything else yesterday. So. Uh, I I I told uh, our friend Mark Podolski. I said I'm having flashbacks to Rocky III with uh, the opening uh, 40 minutes of that movie um, before he went and got crushed by Clubber Lang. So um, here's hoping that does not uh, does not play out that way this weekend. But you know, just getting back to the wrestling thing, I'm I'm also really curious to see what CM Punk does because I guess the guy he's fighting is also not particularly experienced in mma so i don't know that that's going to be the most technically sound fight that we've ever seen in a ufc octagon but um should be interesting nonetheless
2: yeah i don't know that i don't know if i'll catch it i mean if i'm around a tv and it's on i might might watch it but yeah that is interesting that's one of those ones where i'll probably read about it after i'll be interested to read about it and see how it went but not interested enough to notch time out of my saturday evening to watch it Although I might be hanging out with you on Saturday night. so that
1: uh, That's true. That's true. So we'll see. Any, uh, it, There's no good college football this weekend, right? I, I looked at the slate. I did not see any games that jumped out at me.
2: There wasn't anything crazy that I saw. Um, we did have arguably – I don't know. Actually, I don't even know if it's arguable. Um, probably the first – the best week one we've ever seen in college football last week um, – And it lived up to the hype, and some of the games that I think we didn't even really expect to be that good turned out to be pretty damn good games, Um, be it upsets from teams we didn't expect or just a team that maybe didn't belong hanging in a little longer than we expected it to. Um, You are not
1: referring to USC.
2: I am not referring to USC. I I didn't think they should have been ranked to begin with. Um, They may prove me wrong over the course of the season, but, I mean, they got stomped. That was embarrassing. For, for a, a once-proud program.
1: That, I, you know, I did not get to see as much of the games this, this, from this past weekend as I would have hoped, but I did see quite a bit of that, and it was an absolute avalanche. Every time I looked up at the television, they were, they were just getting um, pounded like a railroad spike by Bama.
2: And it was one of those games, it was one of those classic Bama games, where it was, I want to say it was maybe like, Ten three in, like, the middle of the second. Alabama was just trying stuff out, and then they figured out, oh, we can just do this, and you can't do anything to stop it. And then they just did that over and over and over. Um, Lane Kiffin, of course, got his digs in after the game as if, uh, I don't know, he's been riding Saban's coattails. I don't think – I think that guy's a joke, personally. I know he, he, he'll probably get some head coaching job and flame out there after two years because he pisses everybody off, but – um I don't yeah, know what was, would make
1: you think that?
2: <laughs> no, never, never right It's not it's not that he has a track record or anything um but, but no, I mean they're 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 a powerhouse like they are every year. Um, it was interesting to see the SEC come back down earth a little bit. yeah even, even a couple of other teams that won, you know didn't make a good impression Tennessee going to overtime against App State and had it not been for, um, some horrible, I don't know if you watched the end of that game, but some horrible clock management from App State. Um, Tennessee probably loses that game. Um, and they were supposed to be, I mean, they were ranked top 10 before going into the season, or going into that weekend.
1: A lot of hype on the, on the old fouls of on coming them. into the season.
2: I mean, they can bounce back. It could just be that they came out of the gate slow, but um, who knows? And then Oklahoma, who was looking to get right back into the playoff, they've suddenly erased their room for error against Houston. So, I mean, it was one of those, you don't usually see, um, I don't know, weekends this early in the season don't usually feel like they have as much impact as last weekend did.
1: I think a little bit of that is just a a function of the playoff and the way the committee is kind of pushing these Power 5 teams, the, the teams in the big conferences, to play more games against each other rather than trying to load up on the small schools like they might have in the past. And if you just look at some of the future schedules in the next couple of years, I think we're going to start seeing more and more of this. I think the one thing they did say was like next year, not quite as loaded in week one per se, but week two was going to kind of balance it out. So it's just the same number of quality games spread out over two weeks instead of one. But It's a good trend. I I like seeing that, and I like seeing the big schools – you know, butt heads a little bit more often.
2: Yeah, I mean, a a couple games, Texas, obviously, I don't know that anyone really had high hopes for them coming into the weekend, but they knocked off Notre Dame. And, you know, if they're one of those teams that are sort of like the Cowboys, when they're good, college football is better. Agreed. There's a handful of those in college football. And when teams like Texas or or Notre Dame or USC aren't good, it's not helping the sport, I don't think. I think – I don't know that the sport needs a ton of help, but when you've got those traditional powers with the huge fan bases um, doing what they're they're expected to do, I think that just the sport's better. I think it's more fun every weekend.
1: I would agree. So I'm sure there will be some games that end up uh, surprising us this weekend. Oh, you know, there was one, um, if not necessarily a match of ranked teams um, at least the novelty of it is Tennessee aren't they playing in the game at the racetrack at Bristol? Wasn't that uh, Tennessee and Virginia Tech?
2: Yes, which is just bizarre um I I don't even know what to think of it. It's, it seems like it's gonna just be the weirdest scenario you've ever seen. Um, almost as weird as oh I'm drawing a blank. Who was it last year that played um, at Wrigley? I can't even remember, but they've Northwestern that?
1: I th- was it Northwestern in Illinois a couple of years ago.
2: Maybe I can't, I can't remember who it was, but they set the field up like so poorly that like guys were like close to just running into the wall and stuff.
1: Well, yeah, that, that's like, this is the it exact just opposite. Not have, yeah. So, like, this
2: will just have tons of space around it. it. I think it'll sort of look like those, um, those basketball games we see on the aircraft carriers. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the, uh, well, because the thing with Wrigley was the outfield wall at the one end was so close, they had all of the offense, the offense for both teams were going the other way the entire time. So, like, if a team had to punt, they'd return it going towards that end zone. But then when they get tackled, it would get spotted on the other side of the field.
2: That's right. That's so they
1: would, uh, wouldn't have to be going towards that wall and having receivers running routes at it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be the exact opposite with this. The, uh, I saw this crazy graphic that basically took like Neyland Stadium, which is where Tennessee plays, and it's one of yeah. the biggest stadiums in all of college football. It holds—it's about as big as the shoe It holds like over a hundred thousand. One of
2: the few that are over hundred, yeah. I think there's only it, five or six of them.
1: And it gets absolutely swallowed by this racetrack, so it uh, yeah, the sightlines will not uh, necessarily be ideal. But
2: it, is Tennessee technically the home team?
1: I don't know. I, I feel like that's one of those uh, neutral site games. I don't know if either team gets officially called the home team. I mean, I guess somebody's going to have to wear their home uniform, but
2: I think it would be cool and ironic if they had the uh, checker flag end zones.
1: Yeah, I I like the checkerboard end zone. It's a it's a nice touch. I,
2: it's one of my. I think that's one of the cooler things as far as stuff that doesn't really matter. Um, I really like Tennessee's uh, checkerboard end zone, and I really like. Uh, the tiger on the middle of LSU's field.
1: Oh, the 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 spray paint where it kind yeah. of fades out at yeah. the fifties.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's just there, right in the middle. Although Mike Four, which is their current lion, apparently has cancer right now. Oh no, won't be uh, won't be coming out for celebrations this year, which is sort of sad. Oh, that's no good. Thoughts and prayers with Mike Four. Absolutely.
1: All right. Uh, anything else on uh, the college football front here before? Uh- Get
2: out of here? Uh, I don't know. Not really, I guess. Um, I don't really have any picks this week. I looked at the lines. Nothing really – I haven't looked at them too closely, but uh, nothing really jumped out at me big time for this week. So, uh, called it last week, though, for the record. Houston? I called it. You did? I said Houston It's going to be at least closer. They were, I think, touchdown dogs, and obviously they got the upset, so – uh, I'm one Oklahoma and zero. Oklahoma strikes again. One and zero. It's big just game it's too early in this. It's too early in the season for that stuff from Stoops, though.
1: Well, apparently not. He's it's uh, getting getting started early this year. He's not makes wasting me, It any makes time. me a
2: little. It actually makes me a little more nervous about Ohio State's game there next weekend. Um, just that maybe it woke him up a little bit. So
1: I have a feeling Urban's going to have those troops ready to play.
2: That's yeah. Usually getting guys to play in big games isn't his. Uh, Is in an area he struggles in, so we'll uh, we'll, keep our fingers crossed. They got one more warm-up here against Tulsa and then the big one next week.
1: Yes, another uh, enhancement talent uh, jobber level. There it is. There it is. That's uh. So I always tell uh, our our buddy John. It uh, I said if if uh, the Fink was introducing you in the <laughs> ring as uh, if your ring introduction started with in the ring to my left uh, that that's not a good sign. If you're already standing there waiting uh, to be introduced and you didn't get music that uh, yeah that that's Tulsa this weekend. It's gonna and be a
2: long. It's gonna be a long night. Standing
1: in the ring to the Fink's left. So
2: exactly. <laughs> Best of
1: luck to them.
2: That's a good analogy. I like that. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, we will get more into Ohio State, uh, next week in, in their big game with Oklahoma. I do think that's going to be a fun game, and I'm sure we'll talk about that and, uh, hopefully dissect, uh, uh a reasonably decent performance by the Browns, because, uh, who knows what we're going to see from them this weekend. It should be interesting, good, bad, or ugly. We'll find out. But, uh, anything else here before we wrap up?
2: No, let's do it.
1: All right. Well. For uh, Travis Hewley, this is Tom Valentino. It's been The Nail in the Coffin, and we will talk to you again
0: next week. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go.